0: The sermon text reading this morning is from the book of Galatians, chapter 6. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him to a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each of you will have to bear his own load. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, I want to welcome you all here. Uh, My name is Dave, by the way. There's a few of you who may be guests. Who I am is singularly unimportant. But I wanna tell you how we kinda do things here. Uh, Select a book of the Bible and go through it from start to finish. And that's what happens from this pulpit week in and week out. And I hope that it will continue that way for the next 40 years. And uh, so that's what we do. Um, We're in the book of Galatians and we're coming to its conclusion. Next week will be the week that I actually finish the text of the book. And after finishing the text, I'm hoping, I'm unclear yet because I haven't done my work yet, uh, that I'll also do a review for the uh, entirety of the book of Galatians at the conclusion of the text next week. Then we're going to be jumping back into our series into the Old Testament and we're going to be looking at the Minor Prophets again and we're going to be looking at the book of Joel, uh, J-O-E-L. And so you have an entire week to find this three-chapter book uh, in in your Old Testament, in case you're unfamiliar with it. It's kind of a mysterious book. There's a lot of conjecture about when it was written and so on and so forth, so I'm very excited, but it's a very important book, and it plays a major role in the New Testament as well. So anyways, I wanted to give you an idea of where we were heading. We're going to look, actually this morning at the the first 10 verses of chapter 6 and i thank scott for reading for us as well we're coming to the conclusion of this letter and i want to review i often review uh, so you have a little bit of background especially if you haven't been with us for the last couple of months as we've gone through this book this is paul's earliest letter written to a group of churches in a region called Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. Uh, These were fairly young believers, and comparatively shortly after Paul left these churches, a group of people who called themselves Christian came into these churches and told these people that everything that Paul had taught them was right and correct, but Paul left some stuff out. The short version is is that they said salvation is not by grace alone but that you needed to do certain things to earn the favor of God and that you truly don't have a relationship with God if you don't do the things we tell you to do. And quite frankly, nothing has changed since 48 AD. It doesn't matter what the group of people is. It doesn't matter what their message is. There are boatloads of people out there who say that if you're going to have a relationship with God, you've got to do certain things. <clears throat> and they have their lists. And we've all seen them, and we've heard them, and maybe we we uh, were part of them, and maybe you're still a part of those groups that uh, believe that there are things you must do. And some of those lists are created by individuals, not by churches, not by organizations, not by institutions. There are people who are individuals who run around believing that the only way I have a relationship with God is if I do these prescribed things. Some of them may be very bizarre, uh, some of them may be very good. Uh, as a matter of fact, lots of people try to do lots of good things to impress God. But the message of Paul in Galatians is that the only way an individual can have a right standing with God, the only way an individual can have a relationship with God that needs to be restored because of sin is by faith and confidence in the death and resurrection of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and having that faith transform a life, and having it change an individual from the inside out, so that it can be seen by God himself. And so we're coming to kind of the conclusion, and, and Paul moves into the practicality of this faith that he wants his people to maintain their fidelity to and we'll think we'll look at three things today it's ironic that every sermon ever preached always breaks down into three points I mean it's it's amazing they they do teach you this in school although I never had that kind of schooling but this text actually naturally breaks into three things and 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 they have to do with how does a believer view themselves? And then how should they rightly view the word of God? And then how should they rightly view the future? And and all of this is because Paul has says, if you have a right relationship with God through Christ, Christ has put his spirit inside of you. And has transformed who you are. And that is going to result in certain kinds of behavior. Because any time that you have a system of do's and don'ts, it naturally leads to legalism. And legalism naturally leads to comparisons. And comparisons naturally lead to self-righteousness you know what I'm trying to say? So if you've got a list of do's and don'ts that you believe are the standard by which you have a relationship with God, you look at that list and you, you may think about yourself, but the big job is to think about others. All right? No, I mean, that's the goal, right? How is Billy doing? How is Sally doing? I know for a fact that I'm doing better than they are. And, and maybe my job is, is to help them see their shortcomings and, and build them up a little bit. I mean, and that's really what legalism does. That's the standard by which, and, and really and truly, if you thought about it for three minutes, any system out there of do's and don'ts leads to legalism, and legalism will ultimately lead to one of two things, either self-righteousness or despair neither of which are going to give you a relationship with God. And so Paul is going to talk about how do people who actually have the Spirit of God live inside of them. If you open your Bibles, and and just look back with me to chapter 5, verse 26, this is uh, how Paul is going to introduce this section we're looking at. He says, "Let, let us not become conceited, or provoke one another, or envy one another. See, Paul knows that a system of legalism, which these false teachers have been promoting, leads to this sense of self-righteousness, and leads to this sense of self-comparison, and people get puffed up and tear each other down as a result of these things. In fact, even in our... Text he says in verse 3 that Scott read for us earlier For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. We're, we're moving into that. Paul wants true believers in Christ to think rightly of themselves because nobody came with anything. And nobody brought anything to the table. Their relationship with God was solely based on his grace saying, I want to have a restored relationship with you. And so consequently, I want you to have faith in my son, the Lord Jesus. But the natural tendency of humanity, isn't it? To think we're something. To think, well, God must have seen something in me that made me valuable enough for him to grant me his grace. And consequently, when we start to think that way, we don't think rightly about ourselves, and we don't think rightly about others, and we don't treat others the right way, I mean, I can say this with a really straight face. Nobody in this room deserves to have a relationship with God. You're not good enough. And I know that because I'm not good enough. I did absolutely nothing To deserve a relationship with God. And if I think I'm something, when I am nothing, I am deceiving myself. But you know what? And I don't mean this in a social way. Believers who understand that they're nothing can really help each other understand better who God is and what he's done for us. But if I do it with an air of superiority, I'm I'm sunk at the get-go. So so now look with me at chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, but keep watch on yourselves, lest you also be tempted. Now now it sounds almost as if there is a church police force. And the first question that I want to answer and ask is, who are the spiritual Because it's the spiritual who are to come alongside those who may have fallen into a transgression and help to restore them. Now, I'm really going to disappoint you here because most people will have the tendency to think that the spiritual are people like me, the preacher, or John who was up here, or Mark, or Andy, But that's not who's being referred to here in the book of Galatians. Bummer. Because it'd be wonderful if it was just those guys' job to help people who fell. You see, throughout the book of Galatians, Paul has been explicitly clear that if you have a relationship with God through Christ, the Spirit of Christ dwells in you, therefore you are spiritual. Because the Spirit of God actually lives inside of you. As a matter of fact, he talked about the fruit of the Spirit in chapter 5 that we looked at last week. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. And these are the characteristics of every individual who has a relationship with God through Christ and has the Spirit of God dwelling in them. And it is those who are spiritual. Who should come and restore in a spirit of gentleness, the fruit of the spirit, you see, those who have fallen into transgression. Keeping in mind that not any of us brought anything to the table. That the same way that you guys don't deserve a relationship with God and I don't deserve a relationship with God. We are to be involved in each other's lives in a spiritual sense, a a spirit of gentleness, to restore an individual. Now, it doesn't mean that the spiritual Gestapo just got formed. That is not the point of the exercise. And all term of comparison has been eradicated because we're not living under a system of legalism or trying to earn our favor to God. We are trying to help brothers and sisters in Christ understand what their relationship with him looks like and it starts at home it starts with me and the only way that I can know how to do that is to be working on it in my own life and he says in verse 2 bear one another's burdens and so so fulfill the law of Christ What, what are the the burdens of others i mean obviously all of us can struggle with sin and it's not our job to run up to every individual in church and say now tell me brother i've actually had this happen uh it's a kind of a bizarre thing you know what sin are you struggling with so that i can be praying for you (laughs) now i'm not saying there's not a place for that you know but but it's not necessarily the conversation that needs to take place you know on a, on a corporate level every day and, and all the rest of it but but there should be the liberty and the freedom for us to be able to share that with one another and there should be the the idea within the christian community of faith that i could come to one of my brothers and say i want you to know that i'm struggling in this particular area whether it's my prayer life or or I'm 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 wrestling with this or I have a challenge in this relationship and I don't necessarily have to go into grand detail but can you give me counsel can you give me prayer can you give me support can can you walk with me down this path for a season or for a lifetime bear one another's burdens you see and Paul has put this all in the framework entirely outside of legalism entirely outside of a system of do's and don'ts so it's no longer about me judging you or you judging me or saying who's right or wrong we're trying to build each other up in the spirit of Christ who dwells in us with a spirit of gentleness trying to accomplish this and this only occurs if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You see? Paul puts all this together. So point number one is think rightly about yourself. And in consequence, you can genuinely help a brother and sister in Christ. You see what I'm saying? What Paul is saying, I hope, that you, you see But he continues this idea of thinking rightly about oneself, verse 4 and 5. But let each one of us test his own work, and, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Uh, this is really simple and very basic and and I happen to have a lot of these conversations and I'm sure some of you have had some of these conversations and maybe have had many more of them than I have. The the conversation where you're telling somebody about the fact that that they can have a relationship with God through Christ and and they actually say, you know, I I really think I'm okay and I really think that I'm that I'm good enough, you know? In other words, comparison and contrast. Because in their minds, whether they're part of a system or not, or part of a group or not, they're comparing themselves to somebody else, and they know that in their mind, they're better than that guy, you know, whoever that guy is. They usually have a name and they can point to him. It may be a famous figure. It may be somebody in their own life. But this term of comparison and contrast, as long as I am better than the medium line, I'm okay. And Christians fall into that same trap, you see, because they don't think rightly about themselves. They think there's something when they're nothing. And so Paul encourages again, let each one test his own work So for this reason, he's examining himself and not examining his neighbor. (laughs) Because, he says in verse 5, each will have to bear his own load. This is actually a reference to the final judgment. He's he's saying, you know what? You as an individual stand before the throne of God and you'll bear your own load. Don't worry about the other guy. (laughs) Help them out. Come alongside them, help restore them, bring them up out of the pit, but don't make it about comparison and contrast. If you're going to boast about boasting about anything, boast about how you're doing in your own soul, don't, don't worry about the other guy. Don't think you're better because the other guy's worse. You see, that's the trap that we can fall into. As long as I'm better, you know it's like the old story. You only got to be faster than the slowest guy when the bear is chasing you. You know, that's no way to live life. Paul says, No, 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 no. You you have to bear your own load, but you can help the other guy. And so he concludes. And now he turns into point two, and and this. Is a, is a strange verse, and, and, and I'm hoping that we can all catch it. Because it sounds like a verse that a preacher would love, and, and it really twisted me around a flagpole, quite frankly. Verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Now, there's a trap, isn't there? Holy buckets. I've actually never heard this verse abused, but I, but I suspect that it has been abused by preachers, by teachers, by guys who do things like I do. Share all good things with him who teaches. But I, but I want you to understand that in verse 6, the preeminence and the importance here is the primacy of the word of God. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. The most important thing in this verse is that a believer think rightly about God's word. And and the judgment that is made by the believer about God's word. And, And discernment about who one sits under. Okay, We'll get to the reward part in a second. But, but the point of the exercise is, and this is a great challenge, and it was a challenge for Paul in 48 AD as he's talking to these people who are hearing false teaching, and it's a challenge for us today. And, and I have no agenda when I say this, but, but there are a lot of folks who go into churches where there may be a Bible on the pulpit, but there is no discernment about whether or not what they're hearing about the Bible is true. Does that make sense? Or whether it's the whole truth or the complete truth or whether the Bible is being used as a tool or whether the guy in the pulpit is sitting under its authority. You know what I'm saying? And so Paul is trying to emphasize to his original readers and to us the importance... Of, of being taught the word and then be willing to share with the person that taught it to you, okay? Now, I'm not going to emphasize that a whole lot. I mean, that's, that for me is, is, is not unimportant, but, but he says you are to value the clear, truthful, complete teaching of God's word to you. But in doing that, you need to be discerning. You need to make sure that the guy in the pulpit is not doing smoke and mirrors and that you can see what he's doing and that it's from the scripture. And so value, have a right view of God's word. And now he moves in, lastly, to to a right view about the future. He he says in verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Very familiar words, even though we may not have known where they came from. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let, let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. He calls the people of God who have a right relationship with him, who understand and have a right view of themselves, who don't think that they're anything because they're nothing, because God did everything through Christ, who are willing to be involved corporately in building each other up and carrying each other along, Who have a right view of God's Word, he says, look to the future. Look to the future. What you sow is what you will reap. And here what we need to talk about is motivation, you see, because, and it gets very, very confusing, to me at least, maybe not to you. We can do a bucket list of great things inside the church, for Christian people with the wrong motivation, does that make sense? And I don't mean just throw money in the pot, and I don't mean all this other stuff. We can do a lot of things that look tremendous to ourselves or to other people, whose motivation is still based on a list of do's and don'ts, and ABCs and comparisons and contrasts, and all these other things. And it is worthless. It's absolutely worthless. Because we've thought we were something when we were nothing. And Paul says, be careful. Be careful. Let, let us not do, grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up but but we can sow to the flesh or we can sow to the spirit we can be doing our good things because the spirit of God dwells in us and our hearts are motivated to do what is right and appropriate out of a right relationship with God through Christ or we can do it for a boatload of reasons that are incorrect and God knows that God knows that. And so he concludes by saying so then verse 10 as we have opportunity let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith a very a very simple statement Nowhere in these ten verses does Paul say, if you do these good things, your relationship with God will be held intact. Never does he say, this is how you have a relationship with God. Never does he say, well, this thing is better than that thing. He talks about communal relationships, beginning with the household of faith, understanding exactly who we are in Christ, valuing the word of God and understanding a right and proper view of the future. What an extraordinary, an extraordinary thing. And, and I look at this and I, I, I make a comparison and a contrast. <laughs> the very thing I've warned against. I... I I compare it to a a system of do's and don'ts or a system of legalism am I doing this am I doing that am I doing this and then I sat down and I looked at my motivations and I thought Lord search me and know me see if there is any wicked way in me do I do what I do for the right reasons Is it born out of the spirit of Christ who dwells in me? Is the fruit of the spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control the guiding principles behind my desire to help someone who is in transgression or who is struggling? It led me to some some hard hard thoughts and questions let me pray father in heaven i hope that your word has been clearly taught Um, there is no purpose in thinking low of ourselves there's no advantage to that because you have brought us into right relationship with you through Christ your son and we are joint heirs with him and we are inheritors of the kingdom of God and so we are in many ways exalted but we came with nothing we came with nothing and if we think we're something when we're nothing we deceive ourselves But all praise and honor and glory belong to you. For you are grand. And you are kind and you are gracious. And you have given to us what we do not deserve. And all praise belongs to your son in whose name we pray. Amen.